This episode was originally released earlier this year to Fight Laugh Feast Club members only. If you're not familiar with our other show, After the Sandwich, well, this is a chance to get acquainted and for free. Given the holidays are coming and celebration is inevitable, as it should be, we thought re-releasing this particular episode of which the topic is alcohol to everyone was good timing and, we hope, helpful. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider becoming a Fight Laugh Feast Club member by signing up at FightLaughFeast.com with the code PATRIARCHY to get access to all of the After the Sandwich episodes and to support our show. The following is the original episode, complete special disclaimer. Gentlemen, Tony DePani here. I wanted to take a couple moments to say a few quick words before we start this episode. Uh, so some of our episodes, the subject matter is a little more weighty than others. And sometimes the subject matter just carries more baggage for some people than others. And then also sometimes the subject matter is just a more hotly debated topic than others. Well, this episode's about alcohol. <laughs> so I think it falls under all three of those categories. So this is what I wanted to say, and I want to say it quick, and I don't want to belabor the point. But what I want to say is this. If you lack self-control with alcohol, which the Bible calls drunkenness, it's a sin, and you need to repent of that sin, and you need to go get discipled by the elders at your church in this area. So let me repeat that. If you lack self-control with alcohol, otherwise known as the sin of drunkenness, it's a sin, you need to repent of that sin, and you need to go get discipleship from the elders at your church. Plain and simple. It doesn't mean that you've utterly failed as a man. It just means it's an area which you lack strength in, and you need to go learn that strength from other men that can teach it to you. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. It's something you should pray for and that you need to have in your life. And when you lack it, especially in certain areas, alcohol being one of them, it can be more destructive to your life and lives around you. As a man, you should want to protect other people. You should want to use things wisely and rightly in the way that God wants you to do it. And you should want to have every fruit of the Spirit that there is and be a well-rounded man. So if you lack in this area, you need to repent, you need to own it, man up, and you need to go to elders of your church and seek discipleship. So with that being said, I encourage everybody to listen to this episode in its entirety. Don't skip around, don't skip parts, don't only listen to part of it, and please don't just read the title and description and make an assumption. Actually listen to the episode, engage with the points, and have conversations with other people. Be gracious and kind. This one can get very heated at times. There's no need, but you should have conversations with other people, and I think it's a healthy thing to do. We're glad we did this episode. We hope you enjoy it. We hope it's useful to you. So without further ado, enjoy. Rise up, for men of God, have done with lesser... Rise up, for men of God, have done with lesser things. Give heart and mind and soul and strength and serve the King of Kings. Lift high the cross of Christ, tread where his feet have drawn. Patriarchy, after the sandwich.
Joseph. Hey, Tony. What's going on, man? Hey, man. Uh, what do you call a fish wearing a bow tie? I don't know. So fish-sticated. Oh, come on. Okay. He's, right, he's so fish-sticated. You know? Oh, okay. Okay. There you go. Yeah, there, there we go. go. There you go. Okay. It's been a while, okay? Just bear with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> um, we were planting my garden the other day, Tony. Oh, nice. And it was really good until the, the kind of whole thing turned into a race, though, because the lettuce was ahead and the garden hose was running. The tomatoes were trying to catch up. And <laughs> the sad part is the radish didn't even turn up to the race. So they beat him by default. Oh, man, that's a lot. <laughs> oh, nice. That was a little corny, I bet. Oh, man, <laughs> it just keeps going. Hey, he's here all night, folks. All right. Well, uh, you know, I, 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 so I know that you uh, were trying to get in shape um, recently too, and I, I've been, you know, convicted that I, I probably need to start doing some workouts and stuff. So, you know, my wife said I should do lunges, you know, to stay in shape. I mm-hmm. said I don't know. That'd be a big step forward. <laughs> that's that's very good, man. Speaking of steps, uh oh. <laughs> No, we're putting we're putting in uh, a second floor on the house. Nice, wow! <laughs> and uh, I told the carpet the contractor I don't want carpeting on any of the new steps. So he just gave me a blank stare. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where is this going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. Oh, oh. Okay. Well, uh, welcome back. Welcome back from South Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. This is our you know, first, well, official episode back from there. But uh, yeah. So, well, for everybody listening, welcome to the Patriarchy Podcast after the sandwich, our off format show where we talk about life, everything, and nothing at all. And yes, uh, we were in South Dakota uh, not too long ago at the Fight Laugh Feast rally. It was fun. I know we had the the live uh, stream that people got a chance to check out, but any uh, any thoughts of yours, Tony, on the the rally? What was some of your favorite things? Huh. Well, I mean, I like I it was I was really interested to see that when they asked everybody to raise their hands in terms of who was at last year's conference in Tennessee, there was not as many people as I thought. But there was still a lot of people at the rally, so which I think told everybody that there's actually a lot of new people or, or pe- people that didn't show up last year that showed up this year. So I'll be interested to see if we keep doing two like this because I, it, it seemed like probably a lot of people that live closer to South Dakota probably went to that one. And a lot of people that live like closer to Tennessee probably went to that one, but... Um, either, or that means everybody the ones in the one in Tennessee didn't like it, so they didn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but but if that was the case, we got a whole lot of new people then, you know. I mean, yeah, there yeah, was, yeah, they said true. eight, eight, nine hundred something people there. It was almost as much as what was in Tennessee. So that's uh impressive, especially for the fact that didn't we kind of just sort of announce we were gonna do this in like January or something? I, it was not long ago that they said that they were gonna do this rally. So that's pretty impressive for the Short amount of time of announcement, planning, getting everybody there. It was good. I, I enjoyed myself. I thought it was a lot of fun. But you? Yeah, man, I really enjoyed it. My my favorite part was probably uh, Bear Country USA. Yeah, that was fun. 
That was cool. <laughs> it was not cool when you banged on the window to try and get the bear's attention. Uh, but I'm glad that I think those bears were so large that I think they were just really well fed. <laughs> now, if you if you go to South Dakota and you're in, in that area, there's a drive-through uh, zoo called Bear Country. And uh, they have more than bears. They had wolves and reindeer. Arctic wolves. Right, there's that one that walked right by the the car right that one article yeah, cool. yeah. that's cool i took a picture of it going right in front of the car and sent it to my wife it was funny just the picture <laughs> and she's like oh does that happen a lot there <laughs> i was like well yeah. in this particular place it probably happens every day <laughs> i said i sent a picture uh i took a picture of the bear right outside your window on your side and yep. uh, I sent it to my mom, and I was I just, with no explanation whatsoever. And she was like, oh, my. <laughs> and then I started sending her all the other ones. I think she started getting the idea that we were actually yeah. the place where that was supposed to be. But, yeah. I, that, I looked up online. Cool. They had, like, they had 60, 65 bears there. You're kidding me. Man, that's even more than that. I mean, I, I thought it, they had at least 20-something because that was there were just so many of them when we were there. But I guess they probably could have had yeah, more height. But that was counting cubs and stuff. But yeah, yeah they had sixty-five. That's true. Sixty-five bears. So that was pretty cool. As far as the rally itself, I really enjoyed um, meeting different people. Um, getting to spend more time with Keith Darrell was pretty good. Yeah, I, that was fun. I enjoyed that guy. Yeah, and um, Tyler and and several just many of the different people that we met there. It was good to hear the people are encouraged by the podcast and and um just god's using it in their lives so Mm -hmm. for me that was probably the best part then also hearing from getting to meet uh dr joe boot was was good that was cool we kind of just literally sat down next to him for breakfast that one morning and it's just really kind of cool to sit and meet him in person and then I guess it wasn't necessarily cool exactly everything he was talking about. I mean, I, I was glad he said it, but he was talking about how Canada's government is just absolutely tyrannical and everything that happened to the church. But yeah, it was it was good getting to know him and um, Nathan. Uh, was it Nathan? Was that the guy that was with him? I think it's yeah. I think so. I think yeah, it was yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Really nice guy too. We got to talk to him for a while too. Yeah, talk. They were talking about how. Um, the police showed up at their church where it was like like ten squad cars. And it, it was, was there were right, riot gear and anti stab yeah. vests and it was SWAT people. It was crazy. And and they came in 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 their service for elderly, you know, because the elderly are gonna <laughs> just start overturning tables and doing yeah. riots and stuff, yeah. you know. That's, that's <laughs> and that's crazy. It is it's an it's incredibly concerning. I mean, Canada is definitely more liberal. They're further down the the, the road than mm-hmm. the United States, but uh, uh, we are running at breakneck speed to catch up with them. Yes, we are. And uh, so it's, it, it it reminded me of the importance of steadfastness, um, of repentance. You know, the first thing you hear about that that you immediately want to go to our civil government and start protesting and trying to stop it from ever getting here. But really the first step even before that is we need to repent Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of our sins, of the tyranny in our hearts, of how complacent we've been and how we've allowed things to get where they're at. And so we need to cry and out to the Lord and ask him to forgive us and our land and to heal the land. 
So we, we've been reading was, uh, uh, in Nehemiah as a family. Um, actually, we're, we're taking a break and going into Ezra because we're trying to get them side by side. But one of the things I remember talking to the kids about was, um, you know, why did Nehemiah um, pray to God and ask God to forgive, you know, all his people when, you know, when he was just him praying. And I think that just, that was what made me think about what you were talking about with just praying for repentance, because yeah, we need to individually repent, but we, we need to repent as a people as well. And, um, there's just a lot of, a lot of sin that we have going on right now. And if we don't, if we don't address that first, then nothing else we do is going to matter. Yep. And, um, the, one of the things you made me think about there is just the, uh, we think that we can escape, I guess, the, the judgment of God upon our nation. And there is a sense in which God's people don't experience the full wrath of God. We, we definitely don't. I mean, God is, Christ has paid that for us, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that we're not um, still part of and have solidarity with the people of our nation. And so we'll deal with, as God deals with our nation, we will definitely feel the effects of it. Mm-hmm. And now God has a way of preserving His people so that they 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 uh, they can survive it. But uh, that comes as they repentant and they're obedient and they they live their lives in obedience to Him. So, anyways, I had a great time at uh, the rally. Encouraged, convicted, and uh, ready to serve the Lord uh, faithfully, um, as at least as faithfully as I as I can. And so uh, it was a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Well, what are we going to talk about? Well, let's see. Today, what are we going to talk about again? <laughs> no, no, I know. Let's talk, yeah. let's, let's talk about, well, th- there's actually a couple things happening. I see on online and, and among some Christians, articles and all these things. There's kind of this uh, push to recover a, uh, a a worldview that sees meaning in the world around us. Uh, you might call it Neoplatonism, Christian Platonism, Platoism. Uh, basically, the idea that uh, the world around us is is has meaning. It's not just matter and stuff. Um, uh, there's this guy named Hans Borsma. He's got this book called Heavenly Participation. And he says that prior to the late medieval period, all Christians perceived the world around them through a sacramental worldview. And now he's Roman Catholic. So when he says sacramental world, he means (laughs) a little bit more than (laughs) what we mean. Yeah, yeah. But he does say a helpful thing that Christians look at the material world around them as a deep mystery, as a symbol and a tapestry that depicts heavenly realities, giving an incomprehensible depth and beauty to all areas of life. Hmm. And so while we reject the, 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 the deeper things of the Roman Catholic idea of, of nature actually conveying grace as if grace is this little substance that fills you up, um, we can't agree with actually, yeah, that's how God created the world though, is that the world, does depict more, has a deeper meaning and more symbol and um, and signs. You know, St. Saint, Saint Augustine famously defined a sacrament as a sign of a sacred thing. 
Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a really excellent. I have actually not heard it put that way, but that's an excellent way to put it. Now, Tony, we we know being confessional Christians that there are only two actual sacraments of the church. What are they? Baptism and Lord's Supper. There we go. Yeah, the the baptism and the Lord's Supper. Those are the sacramental signs that are given of the new covenant. But we also know that there is a sense in which the world is sacramental. That is, God created the world. He he invested it so that all the things point to something more sacred, Yeah. which is namely, as Romans says, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature. So... I'm seeing this kind of recaptured in online and actually it's, it's a very, it can be a good thing. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it goes too far at times, but it could be a pendulum swing too far at times from like Gnosticism where it's just, you know, material bad, you know, everything. Yeah. Material bad or there's nominalism, which is material is basically all there is. There is no greater meaning that, um, Actually, nominalism is even the idea that there are no like abstracts or there are no um, uh, like unseen or things like yeah, that. Basically, yeah, basically, yeah. Um, no abstracts is a, is a way to say like numbers, for example, don't really exist independent of my words. Mm. Mm. Okay. So everything ends up being human construct. You get you get uh, relativism from that. So name it, claim and, it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Say it. It exists. <laughs> Whereas the Christian view is that the creation comes from the mind of God, mm-hmm. and therefore God Himself is imbued it with meaning. Yeah. And that means things like trees. You got it. You haven't lived until you heard my two-year-old son on the way to church because we sing this every Sunday. Sing Johnny Cash. Um, I shall not be moved. <laughs> you know what song I'm talking about? Yeah, you should record that. That'd be which which son? It's uh, is that Calvin? Uh, Rocky. Rocky. Oh, Rocky's yeah. three. Yeah, man. I, he's two. Are, he's two. He's two. Oh, okay. He just turned like, two. Okay. 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 But he sings that I shall not be moved, just like a tree <laughs> planted by the waters. That's awesome. <laughs> so trees teach us about a lot of stuff in Scripture, right? You have the tree in the gar- in the garden originally. Two different trees, a good and evil of life. Trees teach us about fruitfulness. Roots, right? branches. I mean, there's so many Roots, things. Roots, branches, that, yeah. 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 Growth of the kingdom. Jesus talks about it as a, a, a seed that becomes a tree. It fills the earth. Yeah. And then Jesus died on a tree. Mm-hmm. And then in heaven, there's the tree of life waiting us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you take your children out walking around, I like to say, don't miss the forest and the trees for the forest and the trees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that is, look at the stuff, and then you can you have teaching opportunities like crazy mm-hmm. for your children. Nature teaches us quite a bit. It's it is God's revelation, and and one of the things we we can we can because we have special revelation in the Bible. Uh, and that is our highest authority, we can then kind of tend to poo-poo or downplay. Um, did I say poo-poo? That, I can't believe I said that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like audio clip that and just put it out as its own audio clip. <laughs> just, just loop it over and over and put it to like a trance beat. You know, poo-poo, 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 poo-poo. 
Anyway, go but ahead. we we uh, we downplay a natural revelation. Yeah. And that's and, I think that don't you find in reform circles a lot that kind of is. I'm not, I don't want to throw everybody under the bus, but I just mean in general. There, like you were saying, there is this, you know, about special revelation. There is this, you know, and I, we should have a deep appreciation for theology. I'm not going that route that we shouldn't, but. I don't know. Maybe that's why I and everybody's been listening to the show for a bit. I've I've said it a few times. I don't know. I just have this deep appreciation for trees in the past couple of years, and and I think that's given way to a lot of other appreciations. I, I even just enjoy things that are like you know this is the time of year when we have toads that start coming back, and yeah. it's just things like that to be able to look at something like a little toad or like a huge tree, and be able to appreciate even just face value God's creativity in it all but then as you're going there's there's more to it than just that although that's something good to appreciate as well yeah nature uh, is 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 designed by God to us to be able to see something of his divine and we're made to, and we're made to appreciate it that's something that mm-hmm. I've, I've actually prayed with the kids and thank God. Thank you for the beautiful day. Thank you for the birds that are outside. Thank you for the little funny toads that we find. And thank you for making us to love that. Think how corrupt your heart must be to stand, for example, I don't know, like in the South Grand Canyon with, South with a sun, South Dakota, yeah, like where we beautiful were. place with mm-hmm. those mountains and see a sunset over top of the mountains with the, the, the hues and all that and not be moved to not have some sense of wonder or awe. You have to have... I think you have to have your conscience seared pretty it's hard. A, it's, a, it's a cosmic accident, right? We're all just, as Jeff likes to say, we're all just stardust, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Now, because of sin, we get these things wrong. We need special revelation. We need God to really show us, and he does in his word. He gives us all these these things for us to be able to see it. But it doesn't mean that the general revelation is um, it's self-distorted. It's our hearts that are. And so we need the grace of God. Mm-hmm. So saying all this and why I'm bringing this all up, I want, I'm taking this element and then thinking through feasting. You know, we're at the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. And um, I just got asked to write an article just on feasting. And in particular, I, I'm writing on, I call it the theology of alcohol, theology of wine. Because here's another element of God's creation that is very pregnant with meaning all throughout but you scripture. shouldn't drink wine when you're pregnant just as a disclaimer <laughs> yes yes, yes. <laughs> that's the only time you use alcohol I'm pregnant in a good way positive way yes yeah there you go yeah, um, and, and let me say something for people listening that are immediately triggered by what we're talking about just give us a chance okay just listen to the episode give us a chance and stick with us, okay? So anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, but so we're talking about feasting, and can you even call it a feast if there's not drink found in abundance? <laughs> but um, so alcohol, one element of God's creation, it's actually, we, as you know, it's, it's an element of the Lord's Supper. So it's already has, even as far as that, the symbolism with that. But it's actually very interesting that this thing, alcohol, in scripture in god's creation is is has a it's a sign 
that actually it's dual sided. It's two sided to it. And this is why. Before, before you go there, let me, I, yeah. I can think of one objection somebody's going to have. Let's cover that before we get there. Because I think it should be said. Somebody's going to say, yeah, but that really wasn't alcohol that they were having for the Lord's Supper. Oh, now I, I'm well, I'm not trying to make okay. fun of anybody. I've just I've heard yeah, yeah. the argument that it was it was more like grape juice than it was actual like wine like that had a lot of alcohol in it. Which I'll let you respond to that. I've done my own reading on some of that too, but I, I just know somebody's going to say it. And and to be to be as fair and as gracious as I can, they may be very well meaning. They may actually have just heard that and believed it, and that's what they were taught. And that may be something that's an objection in their mind. And I just bring it up because I feel like since we're covering the subject, we might as well just cover that too. Yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're, you're. It's good that you are bringing up that argument. Um, I think. Let me tell you the reason why I think those type of arguments exist, and why I think the teetotal kind of prohibition argument has existed. And it gets back into what I was just about to say is that alcohol is a sign that has two sides to it. And so there's always a temptation, I think, to dip to one side or the other. And we're going to see that one sign or one side of God's uh, symbolism of alcohol is that it is a sign of his terrifying fury. Mm -hmm. That's often, well, not often, but sometimes portrayed as that in scripture. It's pouring out. Yep. And then the other side, it's a sign of God's immense blessing. Mm -hmm. So alcohol can either pretend of good things or forewarn us of destruction. So it's either a gift or a curse. So that's why I think there can be ditches on all the sides with it. Now, getting into the specifics of the of the of the, the argument that it was not alcohol. I mean, we can go to all the way back to Deuteronomy, where God told His people to go off and. You know, go to a place if you can't make it to to the place of uh, where of like Jerusalem to do the sacrifices. You're going to go off. You're going to buy whatever your heart desires. It says, and it says wine and strong drink. So even if even if the wine is just grape juice, it's Welsh's. I mean, it's like. Man, Welch's is an old company. <laughs> it's old, man. It's, it's old. an old Jewish name. <laughs> wow. <laughs> man, um, oh, even if it is, you still have God commanding them and permitting them to drink strong drink. Strong drink, yeah. Now, you may say, well, that's the Old Testament. Well. <laughs> All right, Andy Stanley. <laughs> but you know what? God doesn't ever commit command sin. Right, right. Now, when you get to the New Testament, you have Jesus turning water into wine at the end of a wedding, and they say something to him. They say, you know, everybody waits till the end to bring out the bad wine, but you brought out the good at the end. Mm -hmm. Now, here is the question. After they have drunk and had their full, why would you bring out the bad wine? Because they're not going to care at that point. They're not going to care at that point. They don't... They, the. the the wine has done its effect, mm -hmm. some of it, right? Um, as we're going to see in just a moment, I'm going to, uh, as as I go through the theology of alcohol and we look at it, you're going to see that it's actually very, I think, very important that wine, alcoholic wine, is in the Lord's Supper. And if our listeners will give us a chance to do that before they 
turn off. And if if those who maybe are still holding out with it's not actually alcohol, will actually listen to the reasoning behind it. I think they can find themselves in agreement of why, yeah, why why that's a big deal. Yep, fair enough. So, yeah. All right. So let me give you this quick survey. Tony, you feel free to jump in anytime as well on this. But um, basically what I've done so that nobody else has to is gone through and looked at every single verse that has to do with wine, alcohol, strong drink, drink, drunkenness, uh, uh, fruit of the vine, um, wine dressers, um, vineyards, you name it. anything that's to do with that kind of thing. And I have categorized them into different categories. So and what I've wine, beer, whiskey. Okay. No, 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 no. I mean the verses. <laughs> I know. Yep. Just trying to make light of it. <laughs> and so it goes back to that dualist, uh, the dualism of the, the item. First of all, there's two broad categories, alcohol and God's curse, and then alcohol and God's blessing. And then underneath each of them, there's basically three headings. There's the sign itself as either a blessing or a curse. And then the second is there's a sign it's used to symbolize either blessing or curse. And then finally, there's the sign and the symbology meeting together to convey either blessing or curse. Okay. All right. Now, I'm not going to give you all that in this podcast. You're not going to read every I, single one of those I, No, because you're going to have to get the Fight, Laugh, Feast magazine Ooh, to... Oh, good plug. To, to, nice. to see it all. Good plug. But what we will do is work through some of it, just so you can get a uh, taste, if you will, of, of the theology of wine. So, and then that'll help again, like I said, it'll answer the question. So, under alcohol and God's curse, the sign itself is a curse, right? Scripture says a lot about alcohol and its negative impact. And if, if somebody wanted to and they only wanted to look at the negatives, they can definitely come away with, wow, mm-hmm. I'm staying completely away from it. And if you are a wise person, I think you take these negatives in, in mind and you do have a healthy fear of alcohol. So, for example, the sign itself is a curse. Wine can make you sick. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll won't tell on myself, but I, there's a story about something I did when I was, before I knew what, what I was doing, and it made me very sick. Mm, I know this story. <laughs> Wine will make you drunk. And, uh, I mean, that's pretty obvious. Yeah. Being drunk and stuff will, will and, and drinking wine can make you forget your duties. So um, Solomon's mother tells him, that it's not for kings to drink wine because it makes you forget your duties. It makes you not do what you're supposed to do, right? Don't get drunk because you won't do what you've been commanded to do. It dulls your senses. It makes you vomit. It can make you stagger. Can't walk right. Makes you fall down and be injured. I get knocked down. I get up again. Oh, no, don't even <laughs> let that. Right. Oh, let that song die. <laughs> let it just stay dead. Never come back. Did you know the other lyrics are pissing the night away? Yes, oh, and I know. it has nothing has nothing to do with using the bathroom. It, uh, um, Stephen Anderson. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that song. So many. Ugh. 
horrible, horrible era of music there. Anyway. Do you sorry. have a lot of memories of that song? Is that what it is? It's just because it was on the radio all the it time. Was, and it, it would it get was s- you and your ex girlfriend's song, wasn't it? <laughs> what? <laughs> what the, who the heck did I date? Jeez. <laughs> My goodness, no. No. You know what I mean? It was, it's one of those songs that. Even as bad as it is, it gets stuck in your head. Now, it's literally because you just said it, it's going to be stuck in my head tonight. It's probably going to be stuck in everybody else's head. But it, oh, yeah, it was just one of those defining songs of an get era that down. was a terrible. It's just, would you stop it? It's just, I get up again. It's just, yeah, stop. Gonna let me. Oh, yeah. it's like the All adult right. version of the never ending, whatever song that is, the song that never ends. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Sorry, that's totally off subject. All right, so wine will make you fall down and be injured. Might even make you listen to terrible songs. Will, will, will wine make me forget that song? <laughs> oh Maybe. man! Ugh. All right, wine will make you unable to feel pain. Thus, it can bring on more injury. Right. right. Uh, yeah, drunkards of, are typically get yes. a lot of bruises and things. Yes, they do. Well, that's also well. I guess I guess that's probably going to go into the the good side of alcohols. They did use that sometimes, yep. but anyway, sorry, we're on the bad side. Let's stick with that. Go. Yeah. We're on the dark side. It we're makes the... you poor. <laughs> yeah. It makes you poor. People sink right? a lot of money into it. Yeah. Causes redness of eyes. It makes you quick to fight. Mm-hmm. Causes you to do stupid things that you end up being mocked for. And sometimes don't remember. Yep. Yeah. I, I, uh, Know a lot of people that did a lot of stupid things, and we would mock them quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were friends of mine that I uh, would drink in high school, even, um, and they would talk. About, I, I never quite understood it. Denver sounded like a good time to me, but they would always talk about how they f- totally didn't remember any of that, and like had bruises and gotten fights and whatever, puked on themselves, and then they're that just was the at, best time ever. This is, like this I, is the best I, time ever. I'm I like, was near death. I was like. <laughs> Number one, just by itself, that sounds awful. That sounds like getting the flu, and then you don't even remember it. So how do you even know it was the best time ever? Because your other drunk friend who also doesn't remember it told you? Like, I, it just never made sense. <laughs> I think it's a bit like when I when I was in basic training. It sucked the whole time or through it, but once I got finished. So it's like you're proud that you I, made it through, maybe? I it's guess. kind of like this, like... Proud, right? A passage or something, I guess. It's a right of patches, and everybody that went through it with me, we can look back and we made it through. Yeah, but you now we talk about it in glowing terms. But the deal is, is even as bad as that was, you remember it. (laughs) So, so you at least remember how bad it was to be able to tell people that you made it through. That's what I never understood about the guys that were like. I have no idea what happened, man. But so and so said that I I punched a deer on the side of the road and then I puked on myself. And you know, and it's like, but you don't even know if that's true, like because he doesn't remember either. You both woke up on the other side of town. Like this doesn't make sense. This just sounds stupid. All right. Well, it, uh, along with not remembering, actually, it can make you drowsy and therefore unable to protect yourselves. Mm-hmm. Several stories in scripture of them getting people drunk and then killing them. It takes away understanding, makes you stupid. It does not satisfy, ultimately. Mm-hmm. It exposes you to shame, literally exposes you, in the case of Noah, to shame. <laughs> yes, yes. It's associated with gluttony and a lack of self-control. Makes you open the sexual immorality, uh, Lot and uh, mm-hmm. his daughters. Mm-hmm. It makes one neglect or harm their family. Or others, yeah. 
It makes one waste their life. Uh, the Bible calls it dissipation. Yeah, I've heard that term, yeah. Dissipation actually is a, it can be used in mechanical or uh, theory or chemical mechanical theory of a reaction that takes up a lot of energy and doesn't produce anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's basically what dissipation is. Doesn't that just kind of almost embody the drunkard when you think about a guy just come busting out of a bar? A lot of, a lot of talk and a lot of energy and ultimately absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. So there's civil consequences for drunkenness. Mm-hmm. So the story that always gets brought up is about killing the wayward child. Well, unless your wayward child was a drunkard and a, abused his parents, it's not like a little ba- baby we're talking about. It's right. it's a, 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 a drunkard. Mm-hmm. It makes one forget the judgments of God. Mm-hmm. It enslaves and it leads to death. Mm-hmm. Now that's the item in of itself. If you want, you can get the article and you'll see all the scripture references for it. Let's look at the symbology of the item and how it relates to the curse. So God speaks of his wrath as wine being wrung out in a wine press. God says he will make the wicked drunk on his wrath so that they get sick and die. God's wrath is said to be like the trampling of grapes. God's wrath is a cup being poured out. Drunkenness is compared to harlotry in which God divorces a harlot. So one may be drunk with lust or drunk on idolatry. So it's not actually drunk on alcohol, but the word drunk is used to describe other sins. Right, right. And then the other aspect of symbology is this. The cup represents the new covenant. Mm -hmm. Now, I have this under the curse. I also have it under the blessing, but we tend to think of it as only as a blessing. But... You know, for those who taste of the goodness of the new covenant and they turn back, they trample under the blood of Christ and they have nothing to it left but to expect what? Wrath. Yep, fiery expectation of wrath. Yep. Now, the third little category here under curse is when the symbology meets the sign. And, and what that means is the symbol being God's wrath then actually meets and is it has to do with the sign. You'll see what I mean here in a minute. So... For example, God in his judgment removes wine from those he judges. Here's the actual item now being used in part of his wrath. God lets people labor in vineyards and wine presses, and then he doesn't let them enjoy the fruits of their labor. God mocks drunkards as he takes away the wine from their lips. God gives his people over to drunkenness. Not his people. He gives people over to drunkenness. God brings judgment on those who are drunk. Like, he judges them for being drunk. Mm -hmm. And then God's people are told not to associate with drunkards. So that's part of the curse. You don't even have God's people associate with you. And then lastly, here under this heading of curse, drunkards do not inherit the kingdom of God. So that right there is enough that I think any listener is going to be like, well, this is a, a, an item that comes with some danger. Yeah. Well, and this is why I think it is understandable that if this was all that was ever taught of you of alcohol, that it's very understandable to why you would come to the conclusion, I should just stay the heck away from it. 
Like I, I understand that. I under I, I want people to hear that that I understand if that's all you've ever been exposed to and taught. I could see how you would come to that conclusion. I just hope you stick with us for the rest of it, for the rest of the episode, why we kind of make the case. Um, and I want to do I want to give a slight backstory here. For me, uh, alcohol comes with some baggage for me because my grandfather was killed by a drunk driver when my dad was 13 on New Year's Day. Uh, he was hit so hard that they found the engine in his lap. And so my dad grew mm. up without a father, you know. And my other, on the other side of my uh, family, my mom's uh, father, he was a drunk uh, up until I think it was, I think my mom was an adult by the time he actually was saved and became a Christian, which was my my uh, grandmother was greatly used by God in that. Um, but he was not a violent drunk or anything like that, but he did drink away a lot of the money, which is one of the curses and stuff that you were just talking about. So there was a lot of baggage for me growing up with alcohol. And so I, I do want people to hear that just so, you know, in case there are people out there that have similar circumstances in their families, whether drunkenness or deaths or injuries or something like that, you understand that I do have sympathy for you in that. So that being said, carry on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think many of us have grown up with some of those things. Some have grown up with a very legalistic mindset. You know, I don't drink or chew and won't go out with girls that do. And and that kind of thing. I but still, I'm not, did, did, I mean, you, I'm you still came, not going out with a girl that chews. I was just going to say, but I was like, I mean, you're from West Virginia, so that might be more socially acceptable down there. I don't know. But I, I, ugh, that was gross. <laughs> that was one thing that I just, yeah, any girl that even smoked. Uh, I yeah that was no no I can do that, <laughs> but, but um, you know we rail against that and there can be a temptation like maybe you're you're under a home maybe we have a young people that don't they're not outside their family's home mm-hmm. and our parents say no you're not to drink it right well there's actually a, a passage in scripture of uh, God coming to a, a town and asking that he tells his prophet to go to the to town and say give them some wine. And so he goes and the people say, uh, we're not drinking because our parents are basically our fathers made us swore. We would not drink wine and we would not do a couple other things. The prophet turns from that town and he turns to all of Israel and he says, I'm supposed to be your father. They listen to their father. How come you don't listen to me? And then he turns to the back to that town and says, because you've obeyed your father, I'll give you honor. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bless you. Mm-hmm. Um, even though their father came up with a rule that is is not part of God's law. Um, God's law does not forbid drinking, as we're going to see here in just a moment. But they were commended for obeying the authorities over them. It's a very interesting. interesting That's just because it's a uh, bunch of patriarchs. Passage. It's a bunch of patriarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. All right, so. That aside, we talked about the negative aspect. Let's go through, um, because that's not the only thing about alcohol. Um, it actually is a sign of God's blessing, and so in God's favor. So just as we did with the, the judgment side, let's look at the three headings, the sign itself. All right, so the sign itself as a blessing. It gladdens the hearts of men, Scripture says. God created it to gladden the hearts of men. That's why he made it. 
Two, it brings good cheer to God and man. I don't, the passage says it brings good cheer to God. Now, that's a very interesting thing. God doesn't need anything, and nothing actually changes God. But in this passage, we're taught that uh, that that alcohol, when I think when drunk rightly, it it's pleasing to God because He loves His creation, and He definitely loves fruitfulness. And wine is an extension of fruitfulness, and and so it brings good cheer to God and man. Uh, as I think you were alluding to earlier. Alcohol has good medicinal results. Um, it brings good fellowship. Job's family used to get together, and they would drink together and, and have great fellowship. And, and the scriptures say nothing about it being sinful, and rather it's it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Job was a righteous man. Um, it's a fruit of one's labor. It's used at weddings. Birthdays and other celebratory events, right? Birthdays, again, going back to that passage in Job, that's what many think of. They're talking about birthdays when they would get together and celebrate. It replenishes the warrior, Scripture says. It can help the perishing or downtrodden to have some relief. Um, in fact, that's uh, Samuel, not Samuel, Saul's, uh, sorry, Solomon's, it's a lot of S's, Solomon's mom tells him, yeah, it's for the poor and downtrodden to give them some relief. It's a staple of the economy throughout the scriptures. It was used in the worship of God in the Old Testament as a way to celebrate before the Lord, like as celebrating, enjoying the Lord. It was a tool for that. Scripture says it has a good taste. Scripture says it helps with thirst. It was an expected part of the tithe and offerings to the Lord and part of the pay for his ministers. That's how they got paid. And and that's actually happened all the way throughout church history. You know, Martin Luther used to get paid in barrels of beer. Um, It can help one sleep. It was used as peace treaties or as gifts to and from kings. And Christ our Savior drank. Now, that's the sign of itself and all the blessings and the good things that come from it. And I'm sure there's more that could be said that's been left out. But look at the symbology of the blessing. In many passages in the Old Testament, as promises of the eternal kingdom and of the new covenant, abundance of wine is a promise. Like wine flowing off mountains more than you can have is what we will have in the eternal kingdom. It's not grape juice, by the way. I mean, that's... that's. <laughs> what, you mean Welch's is going to go out of business eventually? No, they've been in business such a long time, remember? All the way back, yeah. All the way back. <laughs> Fermentation is said to bring life, just as there's life in the blood of Christ, which, again, goes to the Lord's Supper, mm-hmm. right? Um, in Scripture... It symbolizes fruitfulness, which is God's blessing. It's actually a command from God to be fruitful, and it's also a sign of God's blessing to be fruitful. Abundance of wine is a sign of God's favor. Eating and drinking together, feasting together is a sign of fellowship with God. Drinking together is a sign of peace with God. 
Furthermore, the Holy Spirit himself is tied to abundance of wine. Now, hear me out on this. This is a little, uh, you have to work through it a little bit. But do you remember when the disciples got up and they were all prophesying in the Holy Spirit on Pentecost? Mm -hmm. What were they accused of? Being drunk. Now, I'm not saying that drunkenness is a sign of the Holy Spirit, but rather... <laughs> Somebody's going to clip that and put it out there. <laughs> no, but rather just say that uh, wine um, has this allusion to the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is better mm-hmm. than wine, right? So um, you know, another way to think of it is just as wine is a fruit of the vine, the Holy Spirit gives us fruits. It has fruits. Uh, more God in the Old Testament and Christ in the New Testament are described as the vine and as a vineyard worker. I think people but, might gloss over that at times when they talk about, when the scripture talks about the vine, it doesn't just mean some random vine crawling up ivy. your house. You it's know? not poison vine. Yeah, yeah, it's not that yeah. kind of vine. It's, it's, it's a, a, a grapevine. The gospel is spoken of as new wine in Scripture. The gladness or merriness that comes from drinking wine is used as a metaphor to describe the gladness that we have because of God. So in this sense, again, it's another one of those comparisons from the lesser to the greater. And of course, the wedding banquet, feast with choice foods and wine, it represents the union of Christ with the church. It represents his kingdom blessings and it represents the final kingdom. Wisdom is said to be served like good wine. So wisdom serves wine, and wisdom is a serving of good wine. And then love itself is described as good wine. And the cup represents the new covenant, which is all the blessings of the Lord, right? Well, in, in that cup. All of these things that you're saying, too, is why, again, I think hopefully people listening you've come to the conclusion at least on this that it's not grape juice okay because why would you make such a to-do about something as mundane as grape juice um so hopefully at this point we can at least agree that uh yes there are bad parts of wine that they're uh, everything that joseph's listed out and that there are these good parts but that we are actually talking about wine we are actually talking about alcoholic wine and that there are good and bad sides of it, and now we can weigh those and also now as we go into the Lord's Supper. So hopefully we've at least established that for you listening, whatever side you're falling on so far. So please keep with us, stay with us. Glad you're still here. Um, hang in there. We'll be okay. Have a beer. Sit back. <laughs> <laughs> you just, no, 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 they'll just, they just, we lost them now. They're all gone. So yeah, no, but yeah, but seriously, stick with Uh-oh. us. We appreciate it, especially if you don't agree. We appreciate it. So stick with us. Uh, keep listening. So let's go into, I think you're going to go more into the Yeah, yeah, I got the, yeah. the symbol meeting the sign. Yeah, okay. All right, go ahead. And so, again, a blessing. So God, you know, wine is a symbol of God's blessing, but then as a blessing, God gives his people an abundance of wine. Like, and you read through Deuteronomy and it gets to the the... Like, if you obey me, this is what you get, and this is what you don't get if, if you disobey. Well, what you get is abundance of wine. Your vineyards will be constantly full with wine. And so there's, and all throughout Scripture, there's a, a, several verses 
uh, th- found throughout the scripture about God giving an abundance of wines a blessing. And then we see it um, administered. You see pre- the priest Melchizedek. What's he do? He gives Abraham bread and wine. wine. Mm-hmm. You see that the Lord gives good wine, right? You know, again, we already talked about when Jesus turned water into wine, like he saved the best for the last. And then the ultimate way in which the symbol and the sign meet are at the Lord's Supper. And so what you see here then is that alcohol, and in particular wine, having gone through this, is it's rich with a dual meaning. And it's very interesting. The very same substance that one drinks is a sign of both God's wrath and grace. And so then if you think of it that way, no wonder it's an element of the New Testament feast, feast, right? Because it accurately represents the gospel, which is a fragrance of death to those who are perishing, but a wonderful aroma of life to those who live. So the gospel, same message, a message of peace, hope, and abundant joy, but to the wicked... It's a message of gnashing of teeth and sorrow because they don't love Jesus. Same gospel, same message, two different effects. One brings curses to the wicked and to the humble it brings blessing. And so when you remove wine and alcohol from the Lord's Supper, you're actually removing that from that symbology that's so present there, right? When we take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, what do we bring upon ourselves? Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. As the you're curses. Yeah, yeah. When we take it in a good manner, what are we what are we getting? The blessings of God that God eats with us, He fellowships with us. That we have the Lord. Now, since alcohol is a great gift and a tool, we ought to receive it with faith and use it rightly, because right. here's the point: to the wicked, this fame that is ultimately good, actually. The good is what is intrinsic to it, um, but to the wicked, it brings nothing but earth, earthly cus- curses and trouble. Right? When you abuse alcohol, that's what it brings. Well, it, it made me think, what's another blessing and gift that God has given us that it carries both curses and blessings in it? And I was actually thinking of just um, sex, mm-hmm. right? I yep. mean, you, you look at that, you look at when, when used rightly i mean and you want to talk about possibly really even more danger right of abusing something of addiction to it of destruction of your own body destruction of other people destruction of society you know all sorts of stuff um sexual desire can be both a good and a bad thing and yet you know god commands us to be fruitful multiply you know to get married to find a good woman to you know have babies uh, but i was thinking of that through this that there are it's not like this is just the only thing that carries that. I mean, it is. It's a unique thing for sure. Um, just like sex is a unique thing as well. But uh, actually, Tony, I don't ahead. think it's actually that unique in the sense of. I I think actually everything that God gives us can be a blessing or a curse. Well, no, that's not what I meant. What I meant is uh, okay. just to the degree of. Uh, I think to the degree of the blessing and the degree of the curse that comes within it. I mean, yeah. that's that's one of the arguments for, and I and I understand it, that's one of the arguments for people that don't want to drink alcohol is that there is just such a, you know, the curse side of it is so dangerous. But the, again, I think as we're trying to lay out, you're also you're, you're not looking at the blessing side of it as being it just as as good as 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 opposite to the danger. But 
I bring up the the, the um, sexual desire thing because I think that might be another thing that's helpful for other people to kind of look at and understand. Um, because I I would imagine a lot of a lot of maybe of the men that are listening that you know are married and that are thinking maybe right now, well, there's just a lot of danger involved with the alcohol. Um, they. I think if you look at sexual desire within, you know, everything that's possible within it, there's a lot of danger in sexual desire. I mean, there is a lot of danger in sexual desire. I mean, look around our culture right now. I mean, there's a ton of danger, whether it be, you know, pornography, uh, adultery, or whether it be things like, like you were talking about with wine, when God gives people over to the wine, right? Or the wrath part of it, or the curses part of it, when God gives people over to their sexual desires apart from where he's placed it you look at you know sodomy and and now it's transgenderism and all of this stuff that's literally destroying people body and soul and culture around us that there's a lot of danger to it but then we'd all agree i think probably a lot of guys listening are married or want to get married and view marriage in the right format is that there's a ton of blessing to it too and there's a ton of blessing to it yeah i think we would all think you're kind of weird if you got married and were like, well, I'm trying to avoid the curse of sex. <laughs> right. I'm not, I'm not yeah. going to ever have sex. <laughs> that's kind of, yeah. Again, that's why I brought it up. Cause it was like to maybe kind of, cause I, to be fair, we are in, you were alluding to it earlier. A lot of us have grown up in this culture. That's just alcohol, bad alcohol, bad, yep. you know, don't do it. Don't do it. Alcohol, bad. And so what I'm trying to do is give another analogy as we're talking through this so that hopefully can maybe take you out of that. Because sometimes it's really hard. I, I totally admit, if you've grown up one way, even if you don't even believe that way anymore, it's still hard to kind of get that out of your head or get your head out of that space. Um, and so hopefully maybe that's a helpful other you know analogy. Yeah. And, and, and there's, like I said, there's two ditches, Tony. There's the alcohol bad. And then there's the other ditch in which you have no healthy fear of it at all. Oh, right. Yeah. And no respect for it. And so that's what the wicked does, actually. The wicked doesn't have any fear or joy at it. So, like, the two ditches are bad, right? One that says, I can't handle, I can't touch, I can't taste, actually is is forbidding God's blessing upon his people. Mm -hmm. But then the other is what the other side is doing is taking God's blessing and they're putting so much undued focus on that, right? Um, they're twisting something good for evil ends, right? Uh, they take their eyes off the creator and begin to worship the creation. I mean, that's what drunkenness is. Yep. It's idolatry. It's yep. giving yourself Absolutely. over to a worship of the creation, Oh, and same thing with sexual desire. I mean, when you have it apart from marriage, I mean, you're 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 worshiping the creation. You're worshiping either your own body or somebody else's body, but you're not having it within the means that God set it, and you're not celebrating it for that same means. But yeah, same thing. It's idolatry. So Christians then ought to be temperate, and I don't mean like prohibitionist or <laughs> legalists, but what I mean is they ought not be mastered by the things of this world, mm -hmm. and. Self-control. In some sense, that means living in a way in which drink is indifferent to you. Or even food or anything that matter is indifferent. That is, the world doesn't hold sway over you. Like, you can have it or leave it. You can take it or leave it. And therefore, you know that there's a right time and a reason for it. And then you can therefore enjoy it. Mm -hmm. 
And, and one of the ways, I think the, the most important way to do that is actually to see what wine represents as a blessing and live for the greater blessing. So as I already said, the gladness of the Holy Spirit is far better than any merriness that a drink can bring. Therefore, Scripture says, don't be filled with wine, but with the Holy Spirit. The fool, when he drinks wine, he only sees what's in front of him. And so he finds his joy in the drink and not in Jesus. Right. But a Christian drinks with his eyes wide open mm-hmm. and on Jesus. All right. Jesus, the source of lasting joy. Jesus, who drank the cup of, the, the, the cup of God's wrath for his people so that we can have the blessing. It's with thanksgiving to him, joy in him, and a holy fear and attitude. Then, then Tony, you can you can kind of sing that song we keep singing at the Fight, Laugh, Feast thing, right? <laughs> Lift up your glasses high yeah. and toast no king but, but Christ. Christ. Then eat your fill and fix your eyes on him, our sacrifice. That's the, the key. If your eyes are fixed on Christ, then there's a right time to drink, and you can drink, and you can enjoy it. And you can enjoy the Lord's Supper with the great blessings with your eyes on who the blessings are from. They flow from God. So that's my encouragement. That's kind of the theology of, of, of wine. Well, and is this not, when you talk about the Lord's Supper, you were saying all the other times that were mentioned, a lot of uh, good drinking in Scripture, you're talking about weddings and feasts and celebrations. I mean, are we not celebrating what God did for us? You know, in the Lord's Supper, I mean, we're we're it's we're doing it in remembrance of Him. I mean, obviously, we're not having a party and everything like that, but it still, I think, carries the weight of that. That this is something that's just, this is an occasion that you know you would have wine in. That this is an occasion of remembers. You are toasting to you are just like you're singing the song. You are, in its essence, raising a glass. You are toasting to your King. That this is what He did. Obviously, it represents things. I, mean, I know there's a bunch of people in there to be like, but it represents the blood. Yes, I know. I'm just saying, but the alcohol with it too it does carry the blessing in that. I think. Yeah, and again, it, this is it goes beyond alcohol. This is the any blessing that we receive them, and the only way they're truly blessings is if we receive them, looking past them to the one who gave them to us. Yeah. It's kind of like when you get a gift at Christmas time. When you're a kid, you get a Christmas gift. You don't care who gave it to you, <laughs> right? Yeah. You're just right, you just rip that one. thing, yeah, yeah. and you're about the gift, and give me another one, give me yep, another one. Yep, but yep. as you get older, the gift itself matters less, and who yeah. gives it matters more. It really does. It is. It. I. I was just thinking about this this past Christmas too. It. You're absolutely right. It really does. It, it's just the. I think the longer you're alive, the more that you grow. It, there's just something about it that. Yeah, it, it's it's more about. I, you could. There's there's times that. Sometimes you just get the weirdest gift from somebody, but man, I used to get the... so this is fun. I'll tell you, it's a fun story, and it makes me miss her. My grandmother, uh, my nana, I used to call her on my dad's side. Um, she remembered that I liked beef jerky, okay. And every Christmas, excitedly, my last gift, she'd always give me Slim Jims. <laughs> And so, I'm sorry for anybody who likes Slim Jims out there. I don't, and they're not beef jerky, not the kind that is real beef jerky. You don't like Slim Jims? Get no. off the show. I got to get a new co-host. No, I like real beef jerky, man, like venison jerky. Like, you That's know what good, I mean? That's good, but like, a Slim Jim, good. man? Come on. No way, no. But so 
That being said, snap into a slim jam. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Um, I know. I just love the commercials. Not um, a sponsor. Not a sponsor. <laughs> if you want to sponsor us, please uh, send an email to contact at the patriotpodcast.com. Um, what it was, though, is the whole point of that was that I knew what it was going to be, even. I even knew what it was. I mean, I again, you talk about eyes wide open, right? Even before I opened it, I knew what it was. I never had the heart to tell her <laughs> that I didn't like Slim Jims because I just enjoyed the smile on my Nana's face. I enjoyed the excitement that she had in giving that to me. And so, honestly, there's times that I would eat Slim Jims on Christmas. And you know what's funny? As much as I don't actually like Slim Jims, I enjoyed eating them because I was eating them in front of my Nana, who just got the absolute most amount of joy of seeing me enjoy something that she gave me. And so, anyway, fun Christmas story, and also maybe hopefully a little bit of an analogy there of looking past what you're giving into the person giving it to you and doing it in celebration of them and appreciating it. But uh, I miss my Nana, but yeah. Yeah, that, that's a that's a good story. I, I'm looking right now at some toilet paper tubes un, undone, you know, like the, 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 the cardboard part. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and they're colored green and red and they're on this piece of rope and like a necklace. And, and one of my kids gave it to me. One yeah. of the best Christmas gifts ever. I don't I care know. about the gift itself. It's who it I came know. from. Yeah. Yeah. There's just something about that, that, yeah, I know my, probably like you, you know, your kids make all sorts of things for you. And sometimes it's just the weirdest stuff, but you're just like, you just smile cause you love it. Cause it's from them. But so, well, it's been a good episode. Hopefully this has been helpful to people that have been listening. Um, if, you know, you're thinking a lot about this, keep thinking about it, you know, pray about it and go do some more reading. Maybe we can link some stuff when we drop this episode or something. And um, also, um, shameless plug, it will be in the Fight, Laugh, Feast magazine. <laughs> so you can get that when it comes out later this year. Um but uh, feel free to you know shoot us a message or something if you have some questions too. Uh, if you feel like this would be helpful to somebody else, um, share it with them. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm contemplating us making this this free to everybody or not. We, we we could probably talk about that after we end the show. But let's say for now, uh, let's assume we're not going to. So one of the ways you can do this is you could you could possibly invite them over. If you're obviously if you're listening to this, you're a Fight Left Feast member. Hopefully, you signed up with the code Patriarchy. You know, if you know anybody else who'd like to sign up, FightLeftFeast.com, code Patriarchy. Um, but if you're a Fight Left Feast Club member, you're listening to this. Maybe invite somebody over sometime and hang out with them. Uh, you know, if there if there's somebody that's thinking about alcohol, or maybe they're they think alcohol is not okay, and you want to have a kind of a fun dialogue and listen to this with them, maybe pause it in between and compare notes, talk with them about it. Maybe it wouldn't be the most appropriate time to have a beer with them. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> to make that joke. Um, but that'd be a good way, I think, to share it with them. Or you can buy somebody a uh, membership to be a Fight Lefties Club member. Um, that's totally possible. Um, you could gift them a membership so they can listen to not just this episode, but all the other ones. And there's a bunch of other stuff behind the paywall, too, um, including the stuff that we did at the rally. Um, that'll be out there, too. But, yeah, share this episode in whatever way you can with them. I think it'd be a helpful episode for people to listen to. I hope it's been helpful to anybody listening out there. Again, send us a message if you want. Uh, think about it. Pray about it. Read a bunch of Bible verses on it. Um, we'll try and link some stuff uh, when we drop this episode. Um, but, yeah, I think it's been a good episode. I'm, I'm glad this is a this was a good one. Not, I shouldn't be that surprised, but I think this is better than, than normal. I don't know. I don't know about you. You're just sitting back and staring at me right now. You're just letting me talk and talk and talk and talk. Okay, with that being said, I'm going to end this. So until next time, 
make me a sandwich.